The future is a work in progress. And if we want to create the kind of future that society and the planet deserve, why not start today with ourselves? I'm Nati Kasambala, and this is Super Self. In this series, I'll be taking you on a feel-good journey, discovering the kinds of things that we can do to help us become the most super version of ourselves, both inside and out. From how we move and nourish ourselves to how we find our purpose and connect with something bigger, I'll be speaking to people from the worlds of food, fitness, spirituality and beyond about their amazing work and stories so far, as well as the best ways we can all feel good well into the future. In this episode, we'll be looking at why it's so important for us to get moving. And we'll be doing this with Charlie Dark. My name is Charlie Dark. I am a DJ, yogi, community builder, creative consultant and founder of the Run Them Crew. We've managed to sneak into the start of one of the Run Them Crew sessions in South London. Speaking to some of the other people there, it's clear that these sessions are about more than just running or exercise. It's also about community. My favourite thing about running with Rundam crew is like how much everyone pushes you here to keep going. People from different backgrounds just coming together, enjoying running together. Every week you have old faces and new faces and the stories and experiences that you kind of share are the memories really more than anything. I mean, I don't live in London, so I, it's just great to be running somewhere completely different with completely different people and just uh, experiencing everything that they're experiencing. Alright, so 5k crew, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll lead if someone wants a back mark. Yep. Cool, and who's yeah. gonna lead that 10k? I always said to people that I'm not interested in running a club. Clubs are exclusive. It's cruel, that club! And so, from the very beginning, I was like, we need to do more than just run. And actually, what I wanted to remind people about is a sense of the importance of community and teach people how a community works. Leave your ego at the door. I don't care that you're the CEO of whatever. The kid who's arriving with nothing is just as important, if not more important than you. When we go outside, he's going to kick your ass in that run. But more importantly, if he asks you about what it's like to be an investment banker, please take time to talk to him about it. I've got great photos where you've got the most unlikely people running together, having the most interesting conversations. Because I realised that the best dance floors I've ever DJed to have had people from different walks of life in them. Because everyone brings a little bit of different bit of energy. And so literally, I was just trying to curate this moving dance floor. Three, two, one. Run them, run! All right. Enjoy your run if you're not with me. If you're with me, you're going to have the best Well, I guess to start with an obvious one, why do you believe that moving our bodies is so important in how we look after ourselves? The art of moving your body is something that is ingrained in the DNA of everyone, but it's something that has been discouraged over the years. And I think it's, you know, you have a body that needs to move and it functions at its best when it is encouraged to move and challenged to move in different ways. 
But I think what's happened over the years is people have been sold this idea that comfortable and shortcuts are the way forward. And so you now have a situation where people almost take pride in the fact that they don't move and then wonder why there are other aspects of their life where, which are maybe not as they wish to be. What do you think stops people from moving or exercising? And how do you think is the best way to kind of encourage them to start up again? I think one of the reasons why people don't move maybe as much as they should do or would like to is because they've been taught this idea that you have to move in a certain way. So in order to, say, for example, go on a fitness journey, you have to join a gym. You have to take part in a class. That comes at a cost. And some people can afford the cost, but many people cannot. I think there's also this kind of trauma PTSD that people have ingrained in their bodies and minds from childhood. This idea that, you know, I'm in a school system and those who can move well more quickly than others, further than others, are rewarded. Those who cannot are laughed at. They're discouraged. I always say to people, you know, in my era, at no point did my games teacher ever say to me, the fact that you are really good at running can be translated into skills that you can use in the classroom. They were almost seen as these two separate worlds. And I think the approach to it is wrong and the way people are encouraged to do it is wrong. And one of the problems is the spaces where people are told they should, you know, they can go. Some of those places are not very welcoming, particularly to people of colour. And I think it's a real shame because from running Rundum Crew, I've seen the benefits that running movement, yoga, you know, can bring into people's life, how it can open up people's minds, how it can open doors into new experiences, to meeting new people. You know, it's a real shame that this is something that not everyone has access to. Yeah, I think that's that's super interesting. And that kind of point about the trauma response of that regimented sport is definitely something that I feel like I have brought forward to today where the only forms of exercise I feel comfortable doing are those alone. And when I go into kind of classes and all these, all these kind of other more organised exercise groups or whatever, I always feel like I'm back in, in PE, like, oh my God, in the changing rooms, like it just brings back horrible memories and I wasn't even that bad at school why do you think running is so special and what's your favorite thing about it I think running is special because it's a a primal form of movement that has historically as I said before been been in our DNA so some of us choose to use it and some of us don't but I think this idea of kind of oh I'm hungry we need to go hunting let's gather the group together let's let's go you know we've got to chase after something that's faster than us that can run further than us that to me is, is still, you know, a really exciting concept. I think it allows you to explore areas in ways that you can't in a vehicle. I love the fact that it doesn't require a team. It's something you can just go out and do by yourself. I love the idea that once you start looking at running in a, in a more mindful context, where it's not just about time and distance, you start tapping into your senses in a way that maybe other sports don't. This idea of what do I see when I run? What do I, what do I smell when I, when I run? What do I hear when I run? I think the road doesn't care whether you're a millionaire or unemployed. It, it, it rewards everyone the same. If you put the work in and the training in, it will reward you in the same way. If you don't, it will punish you. It teaches you many lessons. And I, I, I just love it. it. It's transformed my life. 
And by transforming my life, it's allowed me to transform the lives of many other people around the world. I always say to people, everyone should go to prison for a day. You don't want to stay overnight, it's not cool. But for a day is a, is a really good, good life lesson. Going and witnessing a birth is something that everyone should experience because you'll soon learn about pain and resilience. And everyone should run a marathon. In fact, I tell people, like, you're not really a Londoner unless you've run the London Marathon. You're not really a New Yorker unless you've run the New York Marathon. Because you learn so much about yourself in the journey from deciding to start the training to getting to the start line. Embracing the idea of being comfortable doing something that makes you uncomfortable is a really important life lesson. When I'm working with young people, I'm just like, look, look it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to be days when you're not going to want to do it. There's going to be days it's going to be cold, it's going to be raining. But if you can overcome this, you can overcome anything in your life. And I think one of the hardest things that people have is just starting. That's the hardest. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. Um, you want to run a marathon now, don't you? Oh, I know. I'm like, I came into this so not sceptical because I think what you do is amazing. But I've always been one of those people who is like, I will do yoga, I will do Pilates, but like, I can never see myself running. Like I can never see, I don't know what it is. I think it's like from cross country at school and just being forced to like trudge up these hills. I always felt like running was something that wasn't necessarily meant for me, but already I'm, I'm, I'm being converted. Within like the field of running, do you feel like the experience is always the same? Is it always different? What's it like within running? It's always got to feel different. I think anything that you do in life, every time you do it, it has to feel different. Otherwise you become comfortable. Iron sharpens iron. And so the run, you know, each run, I approach it as this is the first time I'm doing this. Obviously, I'm trying to get to the point where it feels easy and my body's just flowing along and it's kind of, the miles are ticking off and it, it all feels lovely and smooth in my body. But if I'm not learning something from each run, there's no point in doing it. My approach to running has changed a lot over the years. I would say when I first started, I was kind of running away from a, an old version of myself. Then I started running to try and find a new version of myself. Then I started to run as trying to get into the meditative state. But now running's a kind of, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a teaching tool. It's a celebration of life, is how I see it. And so every time I go out, it's kind of, I'm trying to celebrate the fact that I'm alive, I've lived through a global pandemic, running with a smile on my face. You know, it's not so much about, you know, unless I run 15 miles and come home with my feet bleeding, <laughs> you know, and my lungs in my mouth, then that's not really a run. Like, those days are over. Now it's very much about, you know, let's go and celebrate life. You know, let's go and run a mile of gratitude. And let's think about all the things in life that we're grateful for and we're good. And I guess something you talked about was how running has allowed you to see parts of the world or this, your city uh, in ways that you couldn't otherwise. How do you feel like running has made you engage with spaces in a different way? I think running has taught me to be present, to actually open my eyes and look and see what is around me, mm. to really stop and listen to what I'm hearing. You know, Say, for example, you're running through, you know, Soho at night and, you know, 
because there's all the smells from the restaurants is, and then there's the neon lights that you see and there's the sounds of people and cars and and actually I think for a long time I just kind of lived in London and kind of took it for granted. Yeah. It was just a place that I grew up in, wasn't really tapped into what was really going on and running kind of helped me see it in a different light. And this sense of adventure that I got from running where you kind of start to rediscover the place where you live. And I, and I think that's really important, particularly for young people, because a lot of young people don't see the beauty in the areas where they live. You know, when I'm running with my groups and we're taking people out, it's, I'm trying to get them to see the stuff that's underneath their nose. Kind of, you start to discover different ways to get foot to places. Whereas most of us, we, we only know the bus route. You know, and I, I think it's really important to have wow moments in your runs. This is the reason why, you know, I take a phone and, and I will stop and take photographs. I'm like, yeah, because we found a hidden beach in London Bridge. Like, you know, wh why wouldn't you stop and take a picture yeah. of this amazing hidden place that you never knew existed, despite the fact you'd lived in the city for 40 years? Well, my thing has always been is kind of looking at the way things are done in a different way. Because if you can bring a style and swagger to something that people think they know, new people get involved. When new people get involved, new energy happens and new possibilities happen. And that's really important to me. Interested to hear if you find any differences between running in a group versus running on your own. I think when you're running with a group, there's a, a sense of unity that starts to happen where the group starts falling in, in, in time with each other. People start breathing together. The footsteps start to unify together. There's this sense of like togetherness. We're doing this together. Like, you know, if I fall by the wayside, my running buddy will pick me up and carry me home. There's a sense of energy that's, that's, that's built. That's really exciting. I think running by yourself is more maybe perhaps a time for reflection. And so it's a different kind of feeling. They're both very beautiful. You know, I love both of them. And, you know, and I, and I say to people, it's kind of, if you want to, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go further, do it together. And so actually, you know, I feel like, you know, if you've got a partner who will come out and do it with you, you're more likely to do it. When people start, I always say, you've got to find two other people to come running with you. Because one of you is going to flake. <laughs> but there's, all, there's going to be the it's other me. one. I'm the flaker. Who, you're the flaker. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's okay to flake, you know. Again, it's okay. Wheeling it all the way back to young Charlie Dark and where you started before you discovered running. Were you active? Were you into sports at all? What was, what was young Charlie up to? The school I went to was known for its sporting prowess and its educational prowess. And I managed to get a, an assisted play scholarship to go to this school. And I was kind of, was that, that typical fish out of water where you kind of live like in your junior school, you're killing everyone. Then you get into the private school system and you're meeting, you know, you're in a class with 30 other kids and they've all been studying French for like five years, you know, and they, they've got this, and suddenly you're, you're like, you're average, you're okay. So excelling on the sports field was encouraged in order to stay within the school system, you know, like many kids of colour during that, that period of time. The unfortunate thing is obviously you have African parents and African parents is not trying to hear, eh, eh, my son won the 400 meters, but he brought home a D in his history. They're not trying to hear that. They ain't trying to hear that. So there was always this dilemma between doing well at sport, balancing in the classroom. 
But I loved football. I loved basketball. I loved running. I ran cross country. You know, to to quite a high level. And then I went to university, and then it all stopped. And I think this happens to a lot of people is when you, you suddenly come out of organised sports system where people are telling you where to be and, and what time to be there. It's very easy for it to fall down by the wayside. And then I discovered music. Yeah, your background is obviously in music as a DJ and a producer. And that's kind of where you came from. How did that all start? I grew up in a house that always had music playing. And in the school I was in, I was an anomaly. I was one of few. Someone just said to me one day, was like, yo, man, you know, you, you look like you're really into music. Can you DJ at my um, 16th birthday party? I just nodded my head. It was like, yeah, 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 I can do that. And I got into the production because, again, because I met someone else who, who said to me, you look like you're into hip hop. I'm starting a record label. Can you make me some records? I just nodded my head and was just like, yep. I make so much beats in my bedroom. I'm on this. I can do this. And I tell this story to people because... I came from an era of DIY. There wasn't a system in place. In fact, there were lots of systems in place to keep you out. So when an opportunity came, no matter how small it was, you said yes, and you worked out how to execute it later. You know, and then, and that's how I got into music and DJing and production and all of that other stuff because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a lawyer or a doctor. I didn't want to follow the traditional routes that my parents had taken. And I guess I'm curious to hear about what kind of led you to seeking out running and kind of moved you on that path. I came into the music industry with a naive view on life. I thought it was about music. <laughs> I didn't actually realise. First mistake. A, first mistake. I didn't realise it was the industry and the business. And more importantly, having entering into this era in early 90s, by the time we get to 2000, changes have started to happen. CDs have come in, rise of digital culture has come in, computers come more powerful, which means now I don't need to go to the, you know, a thousand pound a day studio. The communities that were built around studios now start to break up because the studios are closing. We start becoming successful. When you start becoming successful, it means you get to travel. Suddenly, we're not all in London kind of together. One's in New York, one's in Philadelphia, one's in LA, this one's in Tokyo, this one's in China. You're just following your friends around the world. Suddenly it becomes very lonely suddenly it's becoming a job. Your mental health starts to suffer because it's the lack of sleep, it's loud music, and the food you eat on tour is terrible. I didn't really know how to take care of myself because I was just going with the flow. Kind of woke up one day and I was like, yo, I'm really unhappy. And I literally, it got to, I looked in the mirror one day and I was just like, I don't like the person I see in the mirror. I don't recognize the person I see in the mirror. His eyes look dead. He doesn't look like he's enjoying life. He doesn't look like he's kind of has an appetite for life, you know, and you go to the doctor and the first thing they do is put you on medication. So what else can I do? And I looked at my trainer collection, which was massive. I was like, well, you know, I've got loads of running shoes. I've never used them to run. One Christmas day, I just put them on and I went out. I'm like, if I can run on Christmas day, I can run on any day. And that's how the journey began. And it, was, and it was very much in secret because I didn't want people to laugh at me. And there's, there's something that's really hard about having to start at the beginning again, particularly the older you get. But what I really loved about it is I'd go to races and people weren't like, yo, Charlie Dark is here. 
they just be like, yo, who's that weird black dude with the basketball shorts and the Air Force Ones? Is he here to run or is he, what's he here, what's, what's he <laughs> or here to, to do? to dunk, am I right? <laughs> yeah, or here to dunk. I don't know. I was just like, and I, and I, had, and I suddenly realised that I'd found something that I was enthusiastic about again. Do you remember how you started to feel when you started to get better and better at running and how that made you feel emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually? It just started to affect myself and my life in ways I couldn't imagine. Like I was, I started sleeping better. That was the mo- the first thing I noticed was like, I'd be tired, but proper tired, not kind of like adrenaline tired, but actually my body would physically be telling me, we need to recover now. Started to dream again, started to sleep deeply, started to wake up with an enthusiasm for the new day because it meant that I could basically go and run again. Started to realise that actually, if I optimise the food that I put into my body, it will help my performance on the run. So I started falling back in love with the kitchen again and not taking what I ate for granted, but actually almost looking at my body and my life as like a scientific experiment. I just fell in love with life again. And what I really loved about it is none of my friends knew what I was doing, but they could see that something was physically changing within me but they didn't know what I was doing. And I, and I loved the fact that I had something that I could do in private. It gave me a, a huge confidence boost. At what point did you kind of start to think it would be good to start running with other people? And then what were the kind of first steps in terms of getting people involved and putting that all together? As I started to fall more and more in love with, with running, I used to run really late at night because I was working really late hours. So, you know, I'm running at two, three o'clock in the morning, running home from the studio and so on and so forth. And I remember on one run, I started talking to myself as I was running just to motivate myself to get home. And I started all the, I made up all these nicknames of these imaginary people who were running with me. Yo, Snell man, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? And then, yo, fat boy, come on, you can do it. And I, and I made up all these different characters. And then I suddenly thought to myself, wouldn't it be really cool if these characters were real? And I wasn't just talking to myself. <laughs> and I wasn't just talking to myself, but actually, wouldn't it be really cool if these imaginary characters who were coming out of my runs with me were actually real physical people? And that coincided with one of my friends saying to me, what are you doing? Like, you're doing something, aren't you? Because your body's changed shape and you look different. And there's something about you that's different. Like, what is it that you're doing? Like, bring me in on whatever that was. And then I also went to carnival. I saw a group of kids getting chased by the police. One of them winked at me as he ran past. It all happened in a the, in the flash. And I thought to myself, I bet you when I turn this corner, you're going to be on the floor in handcuffs. And I came around the corner and yep, he was on the floor in handcuffs. And I thought to myself, you should have been able to outrun that policeman. And it's like, you should have been able to do it. Because you're like, you're like a quarter of his age. Like, how's this old dude caught you? You know, and then I was working with a group of kids that had never been to Oxford Street and they were like 15, 16. And I was like, why haven't you been? They're just like, oh, there's nothing up there for us. And I suddenly thought to myself, like all these different factors. And I was like thinking to myself, wouldn't it be really amazing if you could get a group of kids together and you could teach them to run because that would empower them. And you could bring lots of different kids from different areas together to kind of realise that they had lots in common. And you could, get, you could help them explore this city that they kind of think that there's nothing there for them. But actually, there's loads of really amazing things. And then also, one of my friends in the music industry, just he literally, I saw him on a Friday night. He was like, um, can you get me into the club? And I got him in. And then on Monday, he was dead. 
died in his sleep. And we were the same age. And I was like, yo, there are loads of people I know in the music industry who actually really, because the mental health thing was really becoming a problem. And it was this unspoken thing. So I just, it literally was kind of in that moment on that run, I just thought, right, I've got to do something. And I've built communities in the past. And whether it's, you know, communities in the spoken word world or, and I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to start a crew. I'm going to start a run. I'm going to start a thing. I'm not going to call it a running club because no one's going to come. It's got to have a cool name. I was like, I want a name that when you're going through the results, I want a name that stands out. And I think I was listening, to, I collect um, Bashment records and I think there was a crew I was listening to called Scare Them Crew. I was like, right, you know what? Right, run them. Run them crew. And then I did the thing that I always do when I build a community where I think about incubation and size. Many people, when they think about an idea, they try and make it as big as possible and they try and tell as many people as possible immediately as if that is a barometer of success. So I was like, right, I'm going to start this thing and not tell people about it. So we're going to allow it to grow. So that by the time people find out, the foundation is going to be so strong, no one can say that we're not serious. And I literally rang up five of my friends. I, was, I thought to myself, right, if we don't photograph this thing, people won't believe that we're doing it. So I ring my photographer friend up. Right, we need some cool music to run to. So I get my mate who makes music, I get him in. I had another friend who was a dancer, the only one I knew who had an awareness of how your body actually worked. And at least this guy knows about stretching, so we're gonna get this guy. Then you have to get your enthusiastic yes man who says yes to anything. I ring my friend Mark up, I'm like, yo man, I'm starting this running thing, are you down? He's like, yeah man, I'm there, I'm there, let's do it. <laughs> and he came through. And then, you know, and then I and then I rang someone, my mate Andrew Missingham, who's like a cultural strategist, but the only person I knew who ran, like he was a bona fide runner, he'd run marathons. And I was like, we need someone who knows what they are doing. Boom. Victoria Park, Tuesday night, let's go. How far are we gonna run? What's gonna sound impressive on Facebook? A mile. All right, wicked, great, let's go run a mile. And that's what we did, and it all started from there. And more and more people started to hear about us and, you know, it kind of grew into this phenomenon. And then we found out that there were other people around the world who were doing similar things. And then eventually I'm like, right, we need to start meeting all, the, all these other people because there's all these other people around the world that we're hearing about, but we've never physically met. And I literally go on Twitter and I'm like, right, Berlin Marathon, Berlin Half Marathon, I'll see you on the start line. Boom. All these people from around the world just turned up. And we had a sick, you know, we ran a marathon, had a sick party afterwards. And then, you know, Bridge the Gap kind of came about. And then this movement just kind of grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. How would you describe how Run Them Crew has changed from when you first set up to where it is today? And what are your kind of your next priorities for it going forward? Well, it's got bigger, for one, most definitely. Mm. Although now it's kind of smaller because of COVID. Mm. So we've kind of almost gone full circle. I would say it has had a great amount of influence on the running industry and, and the way the running industry looks now. The type of people you see running, the type of races that are being put on, the enthusiasm for running. I will definitely, you know, put some of that down to the work that Runham Crew has done and, and different run crews around the world and the brands that we've worked with. I would say it's kind of gone from a innocence to a expert level to a new way of thinking i always say to people that like run them is we're not supposed to replicate what's happening in the running world we're supposed to inform where it's going so now you know 
our focus is very much on mindful running and this idea of it not being about time and distance, but it's being about a more holistic approach to running. For me, very much like kind of trying to link back the lessons that you learn from running back into your life are really important because that's something that's still not happening. Being responsible for the fact that you are encouraging people to do something that it could be potentially damaging to the body. So making sure that that's, this is the reason why we became yoga teachers because people were getting injured because they were going into it with this enthusiasm like, yo, man, like I never thought I'd be good at this. I just run, you know what I mean? I just run a Boston qualifying time. Wow. But then with that comes a new set of stresses. So just be responsible for your, you know, your community is really important. And setting up things like running radio and realising we built a community that was really influential and we can do we can build other communities in other areas. You know, obviously we've got Swim Dem Crew, we've got Bike Dem, we've got Run Dem Radio. But there's other things I want to do. You know, there's other communities I want to I build that are not necessarily related to running. I'd really like to kind of open up wellness properly to the people who really need particularly after a global pandemic when i look at the wellness industry i I just see a load of people kind of who don't really know how to tackle it and actually are really more concerned about making money than saving lives i mean that is a great last line (laughs) (laughs) honestly and kind of what this is all about so thank you so much that's been so interesting we fully expect to see you running around Peckham Rye Park. We'll see. <laughs> I'd probably get the train out somewhere else and run like where no one could ever know me. I th- I'm think- I've been thinking about it for a while. We're going to run a half marathon at some point. <laughs> Honestly, you have actually, like, I'm not, I wasn't just saying it for the podcast. You have actually inspired me to try because, yeah. I, I know I you can it. do it. I know you can do it because what I would say to people about running is when I talk to people, I can tell you whether you can do it or not. Because as I always say to people, it's not the hardest thing that you've done. It's nothing. I'm going to say to people, it's like, you know what? Bringing your A-level results home and having to tell your mum that you're not going to Oxford. (laughs) That's hard. (laughs) Running 26 miles ain't hard. That's one of the most terrifying things I've ever had to do in my life. I'll keep you posted, Charlie. Yeah, please do. Have an amazing day. It's so nice to meet you. Take care. See you later. This Super Self podcast series is part of Selfridge's exploration into innovative well-being and self-care practices that aim to make us feel good both inside and out. Tune in each week for more thought-provoking discussions and practical tips and head to selfridges.com for lots more ways to discover your super self with enriching stories, uplifting playlists, life-enhancing events and mood-boosting experiences. This is a Radio Wolfgang production and featured Charlie Dark. The producers were Ivor Manley and Cass Denton. The executive producer was Ellie DiMartino. Martino.